0: Music Publishing Podcast, Episode 3. This is the Music Publishing Podcast, with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts-and-bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century.
1: And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello,
0: and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Tabensky. This week, composer Chris Cresswell and I sat down for a little transatlantic chat that ranged just about as widely as the Atlantic itself. From mental health, to the practical realities of writing for large ensembles, to comparing yourself to other composers, to our favorite shows on Netflix— It's kind of a long one this week, so I won't spend too much time on the introduction here, except to say that mental health for artists is a huge topic, and there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle that we didn't even touch on. We do talk a little bit about our own issues and how we deal with them, but this is such a big subject that I plan on coming back to it in even greater depth down the road. So with that said, I hope you enjoy this week's episode of The Music Publishing Podcast. (laughs)
1: Oh, we're live.
0: And we're live. Uh, So I am live here today with Chris Cresswell, and hopefully we might have some viewers at some point. Um, Hi, Mom. (laughs) So Chris, tell us, uh, as I I mentioned in our little pre-conversation conversation, conversation,
1: um, point number one, who the hell are you and why should we listen to you? Oh, those are two very different questions. I can answer the first one authoritatively. Um, The second one, I'm going to have to leave up to you. Uh, I'm Chris Cresswell, and I'm a composer, sound artist, guitar player, songwriter, teaching artist, musician, guy. Um, all of the above, which we should talk about Mm -hmm. how that happens. Yes. Uh, but yeah, a little bit about me. I started writing music a long time ago. I, like 15 years ago now. It's kind of crazy to think about. I picked up my first guitar when I was 13. Nice. Um, and that'll be 15 years ago next week. So Sweet. a week from today, yeah. Sweet. Um, so I am 27 and 51 weeks old, which is nice. Uh, no, so I picked up a guitar, started writing songs on the guitar, you know, wannabe singer-songwriter stuff, played in coffee shops. Eventually found my way to Syracuse University, where I started really getting into what we call contemporary classical music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then started doing that pretty seriously. It was like when I was 19, 20 years old. Uh, and then since then, graduated 2011, so that was five years ago. Uh, moved to New York, where I worked at Boozy and Hawks for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, and also kind of composed and was a composer at night and an administrator by day, um, and did that kind of that kind of life for a little while. And then this past year, I... Uh, started going to grad school, so I'm a master's student in composition now, uh, nice. which is its own kind of crazy thing. <laughs> uh, but I'm here at the Birmingham conserv Birmingham. They'll Birmingham. correct me. Yes. If I say Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, <laughs> that's, that's Alabama. Yep, Birmingham. Uh, the Birmingham Conservatoire, <laughs> uh, the Birmingham Conservatoire in England, uh, where I just I'm about to finish up my first year of my, the master's program here. So I turn in my final portfolio last week.
0: Nice. And I have
1: one more project that's due next week. Fun. And then I wait a month and then I defend myself in front of a panel. With swords. Which is, with swords, yes. <laughs> it's really it's a medieval system, you know, yeah. it dates back to like five hundred when this was still a place in America wasn't. So <laughs> But anyway, that's me. As to why you should listen to me, uh I don't know. Why why should they listen to me, Dennis? Maybe they shouldn't maybe you should well that's I don't want to tell you how to run your podcast but advocating that people don't listen to it within three minutes of starting it is probably not the best move
0: oh my, my favorite podcasts are the ones that say this in is terrible don't, don't, don't listen mm. and I'm like yes I will screw right. you I'm listen anyway uh no we, we, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm gonna listen defiantly out of you're anger. not my
0: supervisor <laughs> you're not my mom <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, we got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we should listen to you because you're
0: you, you have a lot of good ideas. Uh, we met oh, cool. when you we were at Boozy, and we, mm-hmm. we we had some some fun conversations about commissioning and uh, you know kind of being fair practices and, and yeah, being, yeah. being compensated for your work and, and all that that stuff that, that
1: I like to talk about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have ideals. Oh. Um, <laughs> those were nice yeah. times. Yeah, no, I remember we had one really long conversation while waiting for a train that never came. Yeah. I do remember. Yeah, I remember walking uh, I was after Trudy and Phillip's concert.
0: Yeah, yeah. Trudy it was Chan like and Phillip Chia. At, uh, we were, like, waiting at 14th or something.
1: I'm or sure I was waiting for an end train, because when I lived in New York, I was either in Brooklyn off the end train. Yeah. Or in Queens, off the N train. I just <laughs> lived. It's the only train I, I just learned that that was a train, and I just stuck with it. For yeah, you don't need the rest. It's you don't. I don't know their their numbers, their colors. It didn't make any sense, but the letter N. Yeah, I, I could remember that. Yeah. Sometimes it became Q, and then my life got hard again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. Uh, I guess people should listen to me. I'll build off of that and not be self-deprecating for a second. But yeah, I've worked as a composer, worked as a performer, as an administrator. Uh, when I was at Boozy and Hawks, I was the promotion assistant, uh, so I was in the promotion department as the department assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also personal assistant to the president of the company, nice. um, which was a pretty cool, yeah, it was an amazing job. Um, only, if only because, I mean, I did a lot of businessy things and got people coffee and answered emails and... You know, made copies of reports and all that kind of stuff, and printed a ton of scores and bound them,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is a useful skill now that I'm back in grad school. Yeah. Really. Um, but the really interesting thing was just being a fly on the wall for seeing how the industry itself works, um, which is kind of a rare thing that not a lot of composers get to see. Yeah. Um, or even know that they're missing out on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind um, of I'm kind of jealous of <laughs> of your having having
1: seen all that. Yeah, it's, I always refer to it as getting my associate's degree in music business, um, <laughs> nice. except they paid me, well, hey, uh, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. I got a paycheck. Um, it also makes me believe in copyright and the whole way the thing's structured in a way that some other composers think is crazy and performers <laughs> think is crazy, uh, but I see the benefits and the negatives, you know, there are positives and negatives to the way the system is structured, but the way the system is structured is not inherently bad yeah um, which I think not everyone agrees with that statement
0: yeah I've uh I, I, I keep sort of going back and forth on my my opinion of you know the the system
1: uh. <laughs> I mean it's the system uh, this is so I'm also a very big Aaron Sorkin fan, which is just a personal tidbit about me <laughs> and I'm about to slip into Sorkin idealism for what won't be the last time what will be many, many <laughs> times, but the system isn't bad or good. It just is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's how we work within it. And mm-hmm. you can either be a good operator or a bad operator. Yeah. And there are good operators and bad operators, regardless of whatever system you're running, whether like, it's classical exactly. music or the government or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, um, so yeah, so that's my staunch defense of the system <laughs> <laughs> as it stands. <laughs> Um, but yeah, after boozy, I also did a lot of freelance work and work as a teaching artist and working with kids in, uh, schools, you know, in inner city schools, at summer camps and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it's only been five years since I left school, I've kind of done all of these weird little jobs. Nice. Um, which have been fun and I think are really important. That kind of flexibility is really important if you want to try and make a career out of making music.
0: Yeah. I think that that whole patchwork thing is, is sort of. Coming to be coming to be the norm,
1: really. But if you, it's. I think it's always been the norm for, well, especially composers and even chamber musicians. Mm-hmm. But I think it's becoming the norm outside of the musical field. Yeah, like it's just becoming the norm.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, you do you do what you can <laughs> and, <laughs> just to just like, to scrape out.
1: Right. I mean, they're not even scraping out. That's that's too melodramatic for me. But even just to like the notion of you know working at General Electric. For the next forty-five years, yeah. and then getting a pension, which for a while was how the world was, mm-hmm. or at least the American world, the you know the specific part of the world, um, that notion is gone. Mm-hmm. And I think, like we as musicians, often talk about, like, well, how are we gonna make it? Like a lot of the problems we're facing within our industry, uh, everyone's facing within almost every industry. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we've been facing them for longer, I think, makes us better at handling the the problems and handling the, you know, handling it all. We're yeah. not special. We're just, you know, more prepared for what is happening <laughs> in the world around us.
0: Nice. I, I'm 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 with you on that. Um, so you wanted to talk about your all of the above statement. All of the above. I think yeah. that's part of what we were just doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how do you make money as a composer? I'm asking you. That was. Oh, you're asking me. <laughs> how do I make money as a composer? Uh, I'm setting up my next statement. This is. <laughs> uh, how do you make money? How do I make money? Uh, I don't know.
0: I, I don't make much right now. Um, right. That's an uh, an unfortunate reality of the moment. <laughs> um, I. Lately my money as a composer has come from uh like speaking just from, from music. I've made a couple of score sales recently. Yay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's kind of, you know, the the com- I'm negotiating some commissions right now, but nice. I don't know that's how good. that's going right. to
1: I mean that's how that's going to pan out. Yeah, uh, I mean that's an interesting thing to talk about as well, but yeah, I think I mean it's funny you went straight to the act of composition as a means of making money.
0: Yeah, well, Whereas, yeah, and that's. I mean, you said as a composer, and right? I took that to be excluding everything else. The ways that I make the majority of my money, which are <laughs> right. they're, they're they're secondary musical pursuits. Like I, I actually make more hmm. money from engraving scores and oh, yeah, course, designing yeah. websites and, and doing that sort of stuff. But as, specifically as a composer, those are. I'm I'm limited right there, and I'll I'll be getting some royalties from uh, some recordings soon.
1: Surprise royalties are fun. Um.
0: (laughs) Fortunately, these are not a surprise. They're oh okay. I don't know if you know. I mentioned this um, in a podcast that I have not put out there yet.
1: Um, I heard it though, and it was really good. Can I tell you? That's lie. Yeah, I was gonna say, how would you hear it? Did you hack my Dropbox? <laughs> I used to work at Boozy. I know people. Ah, uh, <laughs> um, that's not true.
0: <laughs> when I talked to know anybody, <laughs> first episode when I talked to Alex Shapiro, um, okay. we were talking about um, I've recently launched a, a record label. Okay, cool. So that um, I'm me and uh, my, uh, my best friend, pianist Mark Peliquin. Um, okay, we're, yeah. we're putting out a bunch of discs yes. we just put out one uh you probably saw it on facebook put one out in i think
1: February. i maybe down donated it to it you i don't remember may, may have been. maybe i didn't and i just took credit for it on your podcast which is a horrible thing to do
0: it i don't you, you can even if you didn't you can say you, you didn't. but you
1: just, just i get, donated to it and yeah, really can't tell points, you it's fine that and your episode with alex shapiro were really excellent both <laughs> of them were just fantastic uh no anyway uh to get back on topic uh Yeah, I asked how you were making money as a composer. Yeah. And you jumped right to, you know, commissions and royalties. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're taught and what we think of as making music as a composer. But I've been thinking more and more, and a lot of it has happened in the last couple of years, sort of, you know, I fell into all of the jobs that I've had Mm -hmm. over the last five years. There's been no grand plan. Mm -hmm. There's just been, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. Here we go. Um, Let's do that for a little while. Yeah. It's... I consider all of that as being part of a composer. If I think of being a composer or composition as my artistic practice, um, you know, to more or lesser degrees, but like really my work as a teaching artist has nourished me as much as a creative person, as well as my bank account. Yeah. Um, (laughs) as well as, as well as providing a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and I mean, less so obviously with, administration things, although I really enjoy putting on concerts or helping other people get their music played or, Mm -hmm. you know, I love talking about music. I love classical music, Mm -hmm. contemporary classical music, whatever we call ourselves. Um, You should come up, that should be like a thing we should, for your podcast, just come up with, everyone should come up with their new name for what, for what it is we do. But I just love new music and I love hearing it, playing it, listening to it and all that stuff. And so even when I'm doing administrative work, like I serve on the boards of a couple of different organizations, one here in England and one back home in Syracuse, New York. And those aren't specifically creative acts, Mm -hmm. but they are acts that support creativity. Yeah. And, you know, the same thing, like, you know, when I worked in promotion at Boozy, you know, I was promoting, you know, the best music that there is out there, or at least some of the best music that there is out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to, you know, get a paycheck doing that, which Mm -hmm. was pretty cool. Um, And being a part of this world that it is that we all love and talk about and all that stuff. And if you take that approach to building a career, so it's less, you're defining yourself less by like, oh, I got this, you know, $5,000 commission or $500 commission or Mm -hmm. like, that's not as important, but rather I get to build a life out of making music. Yeah. And then I'm just going to fund it through all of these little various mm-hmm. things that I do. Yeah. And to me, that seems like a healthier approach. Cause really there are very few people making a living off of commissions. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. it's, te- and, and you shouldn't feel, and this will get into stuff further on, but like you shouldn't feel stigmatized for that. No, and I think too often we get sucked into defining success that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was that was a part of uh, the conversation with Alex a few weeks ago. Is how how you define your and even uh, with with Jen Jolly, how you define your success. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's it becomes such a personal thing. Um, with with you, I you know, my idea of success is not your idea of success, and nor should it be. Um, I you know, I may try to foist my idea of success
1: <laughs> on you and say. You know, th- this, th- what if we both tried foisting it on each other at the same time? Would it just meet in the middle and it, go nowhere?
0: It'd be like uh, the the Harry Potter Voldemort, um, like the wand battle <laughs> at the end of the the movies.
1: If I'm being honest, I've only seen like one of the movies, and I've only read four of the books. Um, and I do apologize.
0: Uh, or, or uh, you know, uh, name a movie with magic and. Or, <laughs> I
1: can't. I don't like sci-fi or magic. Oh.
0: I'm going like gonna, gonna to end this right now.
1: <laughs> any, any, anything where there's like a gremlin or the fact that I just said gremlin shows how ignorant I am of the whole genre. <laughs> uh, or if there's like an alien or a spaceship, uh, you lost me right away. Then we can't be friends. It's cool. Um, okay. Can we still be professional acquaintances doing a podcast together?
0: Uh, big, I, I will uh, it allow that begrudgingly.
1: I accept your begrudging allowance, and I carry on. Good. Um, But it also, like, yeah, so just to continue on with the the actual conversation and not my hatred of Star Wars. um, (laughs) I just lost five Twitter followers. Yeah, you you uh, just killed.
0: uh, Yeah, we lost a viewer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Mom. Um, Yeah, it's, this is a question I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it's for a lot of different reasons. But how do you build a life in which practicing your craft, your art, whether it's being a performer, being a composer, being a painter, poet, what have you, um, how do you build a life in which you get to nourish that practice and still eat sandwiches Mm -hmm. and pay the rent Mm -hmm. and occasionally go see a gritty, realistic drama at the indie theater while everyone else is seeing another stupid Marvel movie (laughs) at the main theater? Uh, And I think that that becomes a more difficult, but also a more interesting question than how do I make it as a composer?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a grittier, it's a more real life question. Mm-hmm. And my solution to that has been, and again, none of this was planned. This is all sort of just how it worked out. But, you know, I started doing promotion work, admin work for a boozy big mm-hmm. company, um, picked up a few freelance clients after I left that gig, um, and started doing, you know, freelance promotion work for like groups I really liked um, things that I was passionate about. That year, I also worked crew for a symphony, hmm. um, which was a really interesting experience. I can imagine. And actually has informed me as a composer. I, I worked crew for Symphoria, which is uh, the symphony in Syracuse, New York now. Okay. Um And... I was the assistant stage manager, I think was my official title. I basically got to ride in one of those big trucks that someone else drove. <laughs> nice. And I got up at weird hours to set up percussion equipment in schools and concert halls <laughs> around Central New York. Very kind of weird, fun little job. Um, but when you're the guy who's up at 5.30 in the morning unloading tubular bells and mm. setting them up mm-hmm. so that we can hit them once mm-hmm. in the frozen arrangement, yeah, it really makes you question... Or at least for me, like, when I'm writing an orchestra piece Mm -hmm. and I'm writing the percussion part, it offers a different perspective. It's not just, I can have tubular bells and I will have them for I am the composer. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, ah, there's a guy who has to get up at 5 a.m. and they didn't get coffee until partway along the trip and he's kind of cranky and he's the guy who's got to set that up. Mm Mm-hmm. Is, it, is this moment worth that guy's time? And the answer to that could totally be yes. Yeah, absolutely. In which case, by all means, do it. But it, it has, you know, there, I think there are, this is going to be broad and polemic, but that's okay, because I don't totally mean it. But there are two types of composers, um, those who believe in binaries and those who don't. Um, <laughs> there are also two other types of composers, the why and the why not. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these jobs... Uh, that I've been doing, and you know, working in various parts of the industry, I recommend it to everybody, I mean, is it turns you into a Y composer and it turns you into a pragmatic and practical composer, mm-hmm. which I think ultimately benefits your composition. Yeah. Your being a composer. Mm-hmm. Why am I adding this percussion part? Why is it so hard to get your symphonic music played? Well, it's like 80 people on stage and they have to pay them all a salary and then they have to pay the guy running the you know, backstage stuff and they Mm got to pay the usher. Like, and it just puts everything into a practical context, which helps me as a composer and also helps me be less angsty about, you know, making it or not making it or what have you. (laughs) Cause you, you understand the business models behind the it. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself uh, writing
0: larger ensemble stuff. Like, do I need a second oboe? you know, like always like, I, I have a, I have one of my big orchestra pieces. It's, it's, you know, three to a part in the winds. And I was like, yeah, this might not get, yeah. So I, 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 I I actually rearranged it for, for three or four different, uh, groups of instrumentation, you know, still Mm -hmm. big, but like, I, I, looked at some ensembles and, and what they actually have on staff. And I said, Oh, they've got, you know, two flutes, one oboe, Two clarinets, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think mm-hmm. one of them only had one bassoon, and I said, "Okay, mm-hmm. I will rework this piece for for that, so it can maybe have a bigger life." And and now that I'm, you know, I mean, the commission was for triple wins, so I was like, "I'll do it." Uh, triple wins and harp. And, I will have
1: it all. Yeah. Oh, see the harp. Yeah yeah and um
0: and when that piece was performed uh it was premiered uh twenty thirteen i i got there It was at my alma mater illinois state university i sat you know walked into the hall and i didn't really know what what else was on the program and uh it, it turned out to be the like there's the rosen Cavalier suite um mm-hmm. and like, there are two harps on stage. And I was like, oh, motherfucker, I could have had two. But,
1: <laughs> <With, laughs> like, mean, knowing said, yeah. full well, no, right, like, right. there's no oh, way No, you don't hell. want two harps Like, I,
0: I even have to, like, make sure that, <laughs> yeah, this harp part, like, should be, you know, essentially a, a, a piano part that,
1: Red, you know, can or be or an optional. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a very similar experience. I just did an orchestra piece a few weeks ago. Three weeks ago now it premiered. Um, but when they asked me to write it, it was initially being paired with Brahms' Symphony Number. 2. Mm-hmm. One of the Brahms symphonies. And so it was two and a part winds, uh, two trumpets in B flat, mm-hmm. uh, three trombones, four horns, tuba, mm-hmm. um, decent string section, but only one percussionist and one timpani player. Yeah. Timpanist, as you would, as you would say. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being really a blessing only having one percussionist sort of, you know, kind of building off of what I was talking about, you know what I learned from working for symphoria, but I had to really focus my percussion part in a way that if I had had two percussionists, I know I would have been like, "Ah, this Yay! part needs ringing triangle and clock mm-hmm. and spiels, and we're going to bow everything." Because <laughs> uh, new music. Exactly. Uh, whereas I had one, and then I really took that to heart, and really the only thing she does is play the bass drum. Mm. And it became like a totally different piece.: Yeah. You know, it has this real kind of primal effect. And then I had the same experience. I guess they switched the program along the way. They didn't tell me because it was none of my business. And I ended up being paired with uh, Ravel, the Ravel Mazorski pictures at an ex- mm. ex- yeah. exhibition. And so I, like, you know, my piece was first. And then they set up the rehearsal for the Mazorski, the Ravel. And, you know, there are harps on stage. And there are, like, triple winds. And, <laughs> like a substitute French horn player for when the first horn player gets tired and, like, the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, in like, five percussion, you know, the whole bit. And I was like, ah! But, but. like, I'm proud of my little mini orchestra piece, and yeah. it definitely is more programmable. Exactly. And if anybody out there is listening and wants to program it, give me mm-hmm. a call. Uh, it's like when they plug books on the Diane Reem show. Um, <laughs> but I just outed how cool I am. mm uh, <laughs> you know it's it's definitely a more programmable piece and that's another thing if you're being a, if you're a composer write if you want to write quadruple winds and 17 cellos and 4000 bass drums like mm-hmm. write whatever your heart tells you to write but if you want to work within the confines of the business as it stands now mm-hmm. like these are decisions you have to make for yourself mm-hmm. there are no rights there are no wrongs there are just your choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be you can be practical,
0: or you, you, you don't. Right. Some people their 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 shtick is not practical, and that's totally right. that's totally cool.
1: It's uh who has the guitar symphonies? Is that it's not Glenn Bracca, is it? I or it's remember. Rice Chatham? One of the two. They've always been the same person in my head, even though <laughs> like two very different people. Um, but he has a symphony for a hundred guitar players. Like you do. Which is like a cool and that's an interesting statement and that's yeah. great. Yeah. And he calls it a symphony, and of course he's playing on the notion of what we think a symphony is mm-hmm. and like power to ya. But like a symphony orchestra is never gonna do that piece. No. Which is fine, which yeah, is like that and fine. that's not his intention.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um but I think the thing that composers need to be wary of is like if you're not playing within the confines of the system, don't get mad if the system, <laughs> system <laughs> then rejects you. <laughs> that sounds like make your art by all means. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the local orchestra isn't going to do your piece with 14 oboes in it or Mm -hmm. two if you're Dennis, but, um, (laughs) I don't know. There's a practicality to making art that I think is sometimes lost.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it can, it can go too far, um, and, and kind of stifle what you want to do. But, but sometimes it's, we don't, we don't think about, um, last week talking with uh or or last episode whatever uh talking with jen jolly about the this opera that i'm i'm going to be writing you know starting Mm -hmm. this year you know i just had to think um you know there there are more women available as opera singers than men so i should i should have more parts for women because it's just a a practical reality right yeah
1: (laughs) you know, <laughs> did someone ask you to I'm going to interview you know. Did somebody ask you to write the opera? Or are you writing it without knowledge of it being performed?
0: Uh someone asked me to write it. It's a very strange situation right now that is not resolved and I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. Okay, um, yeah, sure. By all means. But it, it, Edit, it cut splice. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, no, I'll leave it out there. Um but yeah, like it's it, it, there there was an offer of money.
1: <laughs> um Yeah. I mean, that's the other. I, I, the only reason I asked, I didn't mean to get into the money thing, but it was just the other thing to take into consideration, and I find myself doing this right now, is like, there are projects I've always dreamed of doing. There are things, you know, like writing an orchestra piece is one of them. And luckily, mm-hmm. I was asked by the school here to write a piece, and I did. And that was great, fun. But I was asked to write a three minute orchestra piece mm-hmm. for a set instrumentation mm-hmm. that was premiering in the context of a viola concerto, mm-hmm. and then supposedly Brahms, but actually Ravel. Um, And those are all limitations and things that I take into account when Mm -hmm. writing that aren't my choice, Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was just asking about the opera is, you know, like, I've had ideas for operas I'd love to do someday, but I don't want to just write an opera and not have it performed. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you know, a harpist here has asked me to write her a piece, Nice. And I had no thoughts about writing a solo harp piece. Mm-hmm. At the moment, mm-hmm. I still have no thoughts about writing a solo harp piece. <laughs> uh, but that's you know, it's just different ways of approaching your career. Do you want to just follow your heart's desire wherever it takes you? Um, follow your muse, like, and I and I, I mean that with no judgment whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no condescension whatsoever. If mm-hmm. you just want to follow your voice. Mm-hmm. And, and go down that path, like, power to you. Um, but, uh, you know, again, speaking about pragmatism and practicality, there's also something to the way the business actually works, and this is something, you know, I learned at Boozy for sure, is mm-hmm. um, unless you... There are very few composers who dictate what projects they're doing next. Yeah. And the vast majority of composers, it's some sort of scenario of, oh, I'd like to do X, Y, Z, and then someone else offers, like, oh, would you maybe like to do A? hmm And they're like, well, I hadn't thought about that before, but... Sure. Yeah, I, I need to work. hmm <laughs> um, And that's, you know, that's a scenario I find myself in here. Like, I've put together my own ensemble to write for, and that's kind of, like, the thing I want to be doing. Yeah. But then a solo harpist comes along and says, I want a harp piece, and... I want to pair it up with this famous harp piece that you've never heard of because you don't know anything about the harp. <laughs> and I go, yep. And and then I listen to it. I'm like, oh, that's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Sounds like harp music. Uh, you know. And then we can sell it to all of my harp friends because everybody does this piece and we want it to be a companion piece. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is that a project you're interested in? It wasn't until this moment. Mm-hmm. And now it is. Now it is. Because I, I want to make music with people. Yeah. And I'm willing to work within the confines of people to get that done. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: Which, they're... you know, it's not everyone's choice. And then both both options are totally valid.
0: Yeah. I, uh, a few years ago, uh, went to a, there was a panel discussion uh, with uh, Franco Terry and uh, Ed Yim from the York the yep. Philharmonic and a few other people. And um, Ed, Ed Yim had said, oh, there are all these people out there who really want... A clarinet trio, a cl- clarinet, uh, cello, and piano to accompany the Brahms uh-huh. clarinet trio. He said that people out there want it, and I was like, but before that point, I had no interest, I, I right. had no like knowledge of that being like a thing. Was, like, clarinet I'm only trio. learning of
1: this now, yeah. and if you're asking me to write you a piece, I'm all for it, yeah. Um. And, and then to
0: say, oh, so I have, I have like a whole spreadsheet of stuff I would like to write at some point, and that right. immediately went on there, just oh, yeah, that's. That, that sounds like a really cool uh, group of sounds to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. And and yeah, practically, there are people who want to play it. Awesome. Right. You know, they're, they're looking right, for right. this sort of a thing. So great.
1: And I find those kinds of limits to be really good and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the whole, you know, write a three minute orchestra piece. Like, I have a 10-minute orchestra piece that I've been writing for, I think, like, two or three years now. (laughs) Uh, I work on it when I've got nothing else to do, which is very rare these days. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sounded like I had a really bustling composing career, but I'm really just watching Grace and Frankie on Netflix because (laughs) it's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) That's what I mean by nothing else to do. Exactly. Uh, When I run out of episodes of that, uh, Jane Fonda forever. Exactly. Um, It's, you know, what... I ended up having a ton of conversations with my teacher... About what can you do with three minutes of orchestra time? Mm-hmm. Like that isn't a Copeland fanfare. Yeah.: Because <laughs> I mean that's your that was my initial thought. It <laughs> was like, Oh, fanfare for the 21st century common man, right? You mm-hmm. can do that one. Um, oh, that would be terrible. OK, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you get beyond that, like it was a real challenge like the biggest struggle I had with the piece. Was figuring out how to effectively use three minutes of orchestra time. Yeah, because that's not a lot of time. The trick is to end up using four and a half minutes of orchestra time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was my solution, but uh, that's an interesting challenge. Yeah, three minutes of orchestra time, no bassoons. I had bassoons, but you know, or you know, write a heart piece seven to nine minutes in response to that. This other piece of music. Mm-hmm. Like, that challenges my creativity, at least, in a way, whereas when I have full control over a project, you know, like stuff I'm writing for this group of mine, um, you know, I get to dictate how long the material is, Mm -hmm. I get to dictate what the material is, Mm -hmm. Um, the instrumentation is locked in, but I picked the instrumentation, Mm because it's a, you know, it's Perot Ensemble plus electric guitar, plus electronics. Nice. You know, which is, yeah, it's a solid instrumentation. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of colors in there, you know, it's, it's a little new music-y, but it's okay. Uh, (laughs) you know, I, I get to decide it all. I get to be God for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, that's a fun experience in that, you know, I've been working on this piece and I'm letting the material dictate how long the piece is, Mm -hmm. which is different than saying I need to write a seven minute piece. Mm Mm-hmm. And ironically, it's about seven minutes. I think I can only just write a seven minute piece now. Uh, But that's just a different approach than needing to write a piece of X minutes long and finding material that works for seven minutes or nine minutes or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think both become really interesting ways of working and they complement each other. It's nice to be able to bounce from one to the other. And, you know, obviously writing for my group, it's a bit more casual because there's no real deadlines because I just won't schedule rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's an easy way out. And it's, you know, it, it, they provide a nice balance for each other. And I think that's, you know, it's a healthy approach to things.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Um, and you just used a, a, a word that you uh, you wanted to bring up uh, mental health and and health and yeah. all of that, so that might be a, a nice seg into that topic, if you seg if you don't mind moving good along to that.
1: Podcasting there you. Go. Thank We're you. going to Thank seg. <laughs> seg. Uh, yeah. Um, so, mental health and being a creative person uh, is. Sh- could be its own podcast weekly series, during therapy <laughs> session that we Seriously. all need. Uh, no, it's something I've just been thinking about a lot for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, personal and otherwise, but I'm in this interesting place and we've just been talking about a lot of this stuff, but the last eight months or so in grad school have been kind of the busiest, craziest eight months of my life and mm-hmm. I've written more music than I ever thought possible and I've had successful premieres. Mm-hmm. Nice. In San Francisco with Wild Rumpus, and Sweet. I had an artist residency in Portugal, and I wrote two orchestra works that premiered this year at the school here, a work for kids, you know, 200 school kids that premiered at the big symphony hall here, cool. uh, a handful of other little things here and there, did some film media projects for students here. Nice. Kind of, I went into grad school wanting to do all of the things. Mm-hmm. All of the time. Mm-hmm. And then did it. (laughs) (laughs) And did it, you know, people seem to like the stuff I did. I, You know, who knows. But I haven't really been having that much fun doing it all. Uh And I'm in this place right now where for the first time in eight months, I, you know, I've popped out of the water. And I can take a deep breath and kind of look around. And it seems... Like you know if point A is the beginning of grad school and we're now at point B and like we all want to compose and we all want successful premieres and we mm-hmm. all want to make the work that we want to make mm-hmm. and we've just spent a lot of time talking about the practicalities of that but the other aspect that I think sometimes can get lost in the conversation is just enjoying the process mm-hmm. of making music mm-hmm. and being a composer and that kind of stuff and I realize now that I haven't been enjoying it as much as I would like to be, mm. or that I think it's possible to. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, you know, I know for sh- for a fact I, um, that I'm not alone in feeling that way. Yeah, And I think it's something that we all talk about facetiously at the bar after a drink or two, and it's something that I think we all could be talking about more in an open way. Mm-hmm. I think that's a healthy and beneficial thing. Yeah. Um and so I'm obviously not a doctor of even music. Um I am but a lowly master student of music and you know, have no background in psychology, so preface all of my thoughts with that. But it seems to me that we can be more there for each other and there more for ourselves as well. Yeah. I like, I like that. Yeah. And we could all be having more fun doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Cause if we're not doing it for the joy of doing it, what are we doing?
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Cause we're clearly not doing
0: it for the money. No, no, there's, there's nobody um, who goes into this saying, I'm going to be rich and famous.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: someday. someday. Um, but even those who are rich and famous, like and the two examples that come to mind, There's a quote that's always stuck with me. Uh, There's a Chris Rouse documentary called Rouse on Rouse in which he talks about being a composer. And he mentions that he doesn't particularly like composing, but he likes having composed.
0: That makes sense to me.
1: That makes sense to all of us, I think. Yeah. makes sense to me, too. And I'm I'm wondering if maybe we can't all get a little better at liking composing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's something I've just been thinking a lot about. Um, And how do I, you know, and it's a very personal and individual thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, buzzwords like work-life balance and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff that Oprah used to talk about. (laughs) Um, But she's not on TV anymore, so we don't have it. Uh, It... And that, that sounded more flippant than I meant it to be. Like, it's 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 an important thing. hmm You know, if we're going to dedicate our lives to this craft, let's enjoy this craft. Yeah. Um, and kind of the amazing thing, knowing that I was coming on this podcast here, I uh, kind of just threw up on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, like, hey, I'm doing this podcast thing. Um, Want to talk about mental health issues? I have my own experiences. Like, if you have yours like and feel comfortable telling me about them yeah. stranger in social media land. Uh, you know, like shoot me a message, send me a link to your articles, send me, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I posted that on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was, uh, closed my MacBook, uh, threw it in my bag and walked to school. It's a twenty five minute walk from where I live to mm-hmm. the school here. And by the time I got to school I had half a dozen messages from people. Nice. Um, you know, tweets, Facebook messages, all that kind of stuff. And those were just people who saw my post within 20 minutes (laughs) through whatever Facebook algorithms there are, Mm. who then also related to what I was saying, who then also felt comfortable talking to me about it, Mm -hmm. knowing that I was going to then be talking publicly about it two days later. (laughs) Right? Like, that's a very specific subset of human beings. Yeah. And even with that very specific thing... Within 20 minutes, you know, six people had started talking to me about their problems um, and their issues. Uh, And they're very much the same issues that I know I've had, you know, with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and wondering, am I good enough? And I had this interesting conversation with somebody the other day in which they talked about feeling the need to prove themselves. Yes. And and, And it'll all be better... Once I've proven myself mm-hmm. and I've reached and I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And it was just funny. Like I just, you know, those words were said and I was just like, mm. that's the whole conversation is the notion of good enough. Yeah. And when the hell is good enough in our own and heads? Never. Right. And that's the problem. Like, you know, I've written two orchestra works this year and had a premiere at symphony hall and I'm not name dropping this to sound cool. I'm just, you know, saying the things that I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, went to the Eden Project, which is an indoor rainforest, and had a sound installation inside an indoor rainforest biodome. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit is fucking cool. Yeah. I don't feel good enough. That
0: it, it, will yeah will will we ever like whatever we do? It's it at, at what point we all we keep
1: raising the bar on ourselves? I think yeah. Every,
0: every whatever we do, okay, I did that now.
1: Now I have to be... Even... And because I did that, it's not as valuable as it once was before I did that. Yeah, if they let someone like me do it, then... <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> like me, who's and
0: just it's... faking my way through, through my career, yeah. unlike everyone else. <laughs> no one else. Right. Has... Everyone else who has not figured out, Yeah.
1: I'm the one who's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: um, hell, I, I see so-and-so on Facebook has all these, these performances coming up, this other person has these commissions. They've got their shit together, I don't.
1: I was watching Grace and Frankie all week.
0: <laughs> it's great. Yeah, meanwhile, they're,
1: they're, they're doing
0: the same thing. They're having the same anxieties. Right. They, they just happen to put a, a nice thing about their lives on Facebook, like we do.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's the curated version of our lives on social media and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. But I just, I think we all should be talking about this more. And I think there are a few brave people. I know Dale Trumbore yeah. um, wrote this really, I just reread it this afternoon, and I've read it a few times. Um, but she has this great article in New Music Box about not composing. Yeah. She she has uh, a series of four about Yeah, like, she did four yeah. Um you know, essentially I don't are they I've I don't remember if they're all about mental health stuff. They're all they're all within that vein though. Yeah, they're they're in that um under that umbrella. But the not composing one just it you know, it struck out to me stuck out to me just because <laughs> Yeah, we all pretend we're composing all the time. Mm-hmm. We all pretend that or when you ask, I'm working on such and such project, and I know you're working on 1,400 projects right now, <laughs> and really I'm watching TV and not writing, and it's because <laughs> I'm a failure, and I was never very good at this anyway, and like we all feel that way. Yeah, we a- absolutely. We all do it, so let's stop.
0: Yeah, Dale, Dale and I had a, <laughs> a conversation about this, is uh, it this past Christmas or the Christmas before um we we met up for drinks when she was in town and we both we were saying like we we see all these people on on social media who it seems like they're doing so great and we feel so kind of terrible ourselves and we both admitted to each other it seems like you're doing really well compared to (laughs) where i'm at (laughs) <laughs> right. you know like I told her it seems like you're like you've got so many more performances and you know you're just doing way better than I am and yeah. you know like I, I wish I had what you have right now and she yeah. turned around and said the same damn thing to me and right. I've you know I've been in those situations so many times where people you know will see you know as as rarely as I now post on Facebook like oh it, mm. it just seems like everything is great I'm like I'm depressed half the time and, like <laughs> i didn't get out really of bed put this a... weekend but yeah, other than yeah, that yeah I haven't, it's good like put pencil to
1: paper in at least three weeks right um um i mean if i can i don't know dale personally um although she i've interacted with her on twitter a couple of times and she's she seems fantastic. Very lovely uh she has the same birth year as me <laughs> right and that was a knowing laugh of oh yep i know yep. I know it. I know Where you're going? I know that exactly one. the fact that I even know that is is crazy. Um, but I noticed that once I was like, "Oh, but she's got all of these published scores, and I have I, right?" Uh, yeah, and I mean that's what we do to mm-hmm. ourselves, and we don't do it to each other. I was talking with some friends here. Yeah, and we were all, you know, doing the moody grad school composer. I'm not good enough shtick, mm-hmm. and we're all comforting each other. And I said to them, "Like, what if we offered ourselves ten percent of the empathy that we offer each other in this yeah. exact moment? That we're off, that I'm offering to you right now, and you're offering to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. What if I, I offer that myself, to myself? Off the hook a little bit, and realize right. that this is all totally in my head. It's just mm-hmm. some. Do, it, it's it's a little bit of uh, inferiority, you know, feeling inferior, it, and it's also um, the a, maybe a little bit of professional thing. jealousy." In that, no, never. Just a little bit, <laughs> just a smidge, uh, which which can be just fucking toxic, uh, especially. Right. Well, in, I mean, especially you, you when mentioned it,
1: your alma mater commissioned you earlier, and my alma mater hasn't commissioned me, so oh, that's I, not rattling around in the back of
0: my head. Oh well, they—that's where the majority of my commissions come from.
1: Oh, you know,
0: okay. is is from them? Mm. It's, it's not a lot, you know. Like if you look at my choral catalog and look who commissioned all that stuff, it's not like you know. <laughs> And and here, okay, so you're saying, oh, you've got this connection, this good connection with your alma mater, and I'm thinking, it's not good enough.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. You know,
0: oh, it, it's, it, you know, I'm not getting commissions from the esoterics and from from this group and that group and blah, blah, blah. It's only, my, you know, it's just my alma mater who have commissioned consistently uh, over a dozen <laughs>
1: who works. Who seem to be the- very loving and supportive of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, they're fantastic. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds great. They, yeah, that they, sounds they awesome. promote
0: me to their people. They, Red. you know, they bring me, they try to pay me as much as they can every time, but fuck that. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not a broad enough... Uh, yeah, base of commissioners so, like, right now. It fucked up. It, yeah, it is. All, it's, it's so it's fucked up. Fucked up. We do ourselves. Oh my god. Yeah, they just premiered like two new coral pieces of mine in the past 4 or 5 months. But <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. No. Not not good <laughs> enough, Dennis. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, go lay in bed all day with the covers over your head and place The Simpsons tapped out. (laughs) Ooh.
1: I, uh, I found one. They're all the same game where you just chase coins. Oh, yeah. I'm not very good at them. I'm not very good at the video games. No, it's. Yeah. I, I mean I just you telling that story I could tell you that same story. Yeah, I th-
0: I think we can we I all mean, have that I, story in our head yeah. and it's we only tell ourselves or we might tell like someone who's not a composer mm-hmm. after a couple of drinks when we're feeling <laughs> right. a lot of self-pity.
1: And that's yeah, I mean that's what it, is. it becomes self-pitying. And it's not good. No. And you know, I've had a couple of recent experiences um with people you know from afar but people whom the, the these mental health issues we're talking about are should not be taken lightly but they're also not as far as the spectrum goes they're not the darkest end of the spectrum oh, absolutely not um and you know I've had a couple experiences in the last month with people at the darkest end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and it's just eye opening like not that I've ever been there but I get it mm-hmm and like maybe that's not a healthy way to function as a human mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. and as a person who wants to create interesting art for people mm-hmm. and maybe and it doesn't go away that's the other thing is that it like nico Muley. Mm-hmm. you know one could not wish for more success than nico has had oh, professionally I know. Like, he's everywhere in every realm of music making yeah and i don't begrudge an ounce of his success not at all um but he posted that thing a year ago. That was a
0: fantastic, fantastic
1: And essay. it, like, having someone of his caliber and his sort of level of quote-unquote success say that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, you know, I can only speak to my experience, but understanding how powerfully that reflected my own feelings about what it was I was doing as a composer. Mm-hmm. And sort of feeling like, well, I wrote this piece. I wrote this orchestra piece this week, so it's done. I need to start the new piece right now or else I've failed. Mm-hmm. Which, like, good thing I enjoyed the five minutes of having premiered that orchestra piece. Yeah. Like, to see someone of his level be there and say that, like, we all need to take stock. Mm-hmm. As, a com- as a community, it can't yeah. just be... I mean, as individuals, like, you need to find out what works for yourself and mm-hmm. how do you... You know, this goes back to the pragmatic business half of this conversation, but how do you build a life that's nourishes your art? Mm -hmm. How do you, in that same question, how do you build a life that mentally is healthy and sustainable Mm -hmm. that nourishes your art? Yeah. And we spend a lot of time, you and I have spent time on this podcast. We spend time here in school. You know, I've talked about it. Uh, with all kinds of people, both as a student and as someone who can offer advice, mm-hmm. which was in air quotes for people in podcast land. <laughs> um, what, is, what, is, what does it take to be a successful composer? And I think the, the, the place I've arrived at uh, is what, how do I build a life in which I feel good about myself and feel successful in which I also get to compose. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a subtle difference, mm-hmm. but it's a really important difference because these issues don't go away with success. We think yeah. they do because that's us fooling ourselves yeah. Yeah. and tripping over ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when you see someone like Nico Muley going through the same set of issues, yeah, or, you know, the other example that I've been thinking about a lot because he just released an album and has been talking about this. Stephen page, um, is a songwriter. Mm-hmm. He was one half of the Bare Naked Ladies for 25 years. Okay. Or whatever it mm-hmm. was, 20, 25 years. Um, you know, whether you love the Bare Naked Ladies or hate them, and personally, <laughs> I think they're great because I'm a dork. Uh, you know, you couldn't have asked for a more successful career as a band. Yeah. You know, a bunch of hits in Canada, which is kind of a country up north, uh, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. And then, you know, in the mid-90s, late-90s, they had a big number one hit in America, mm-hmm. you know, toured the world, wrote the hit theme song for, a, you know, a sitcom, you know, whatever. Like, every check, every box, mm-hmm. right? They won a Grammy, you know, they did all of the things. And, you know, this, you know, Stephen Page, he eventually left the band, and now he's on his own, and he just released this really fascinating album called Heal Thyself, mm-hmm. part one there's a part two coming, nice. which if you combine that, uh, heal thyself and healthy self, it's uh, a, ah. whatever that's called. Yeah. The, um, whatever. Yeah. I don't know when you, when you squish words together and they make other words, um, <laughs> it might just be spelling. <laughs> 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 I go to music college folks. Yep. Uh, but you know, he's only now confronting the issues that, you know, the mental health issues that have been underpinning who he is as a person mm-hmm. and who he is as a creative artist and they didn't go away with success. And in fact, you know, if you, you hear them tell stories about how they were only exacerbated. Yeah. I, I was going to,
0: I was just going to say it, it, I could easily see those same issues being, I was going to use the word exacerbated. Um, <laughs> yeah, by, by, Think, yeah, it seems like things are getting better, but they might not be getting better in the way that you wanted or expected.
1: Or or they're getting better and you still feel sad and then you feel sad about the fact that, that you, you feel, feel sad, sad and you spiral yourself yeah. down. Uh, which, yeah. And then you're BoJack Horseman from yeah. the, the next TV show. <laughs> Um, I mean, you're laughing, and I laugh at that show because I think it's hilarious, but also it's a very dangerous fucking story. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really just laughing at your reference to Bo Jack Horseman. It makes well, me happy. You know, uh, back in the 90s, he was in a very famous TV show. I know. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't have answers. None of us have answers yet, but I think it's important to start the conversation there Yeah. and to admit to each other that we all are doing this mm-hmm. and maybe we should stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I uh I've I've found being a you know a freelancer for just over three years now. I, I got out of the day job business in mm-hmm. April twenty thirteen. Um it is now May twenty sixteen. So just just shy twenty eight soon.
1: What was what? I'm going to be 28 soon.
0: Uh, yes. Next week. Happy early birthday. I have that oh, written down you. to, to say to you and I'm going to say it now. Oh, you I, can check it off. your thing. Yeah. I can check it off. <laughs> be <laughs> of human being. Check. Um, <laughs>
1: thanks mom. Now, that was now a good I'm thing done with being a late, human being ago. for the
0: rest of the day. Thanks for thanks. letting me get
1: that out of my system. It's much later where I am. So <laughs> I can actually, I can take the day off. <laughs> um, but being,
0: being, a, working from my home every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my sister-in-law is in the same position right now. She's a, a wedding planner. And when she's not, you know, on site with, with, a, with a an event or, um, you know, wor- meeting directly with a vendor or a client, she's working out of her apartment. So she and I, like, in our respective apartments, roll out of bed. I don't know what, when she gets up, but I get up when the fuck ever. And... <laughs> You know, I mean, today I'm I like set being an alarm and it was ten like, thirty. Oh, right. <laughs> Yesterday well, I didn't set an alarm, and at least it was before noon. Um, <laughs> however, barely. And yeah, you know, yeah. you, you roll out of bed. You, you know, I, I at least like to shower first thing in the morning, to, so I can feel somewhat human and kind it's a of good. You know, pro tip: I don't do coffee, so. Um,
1: but then I don't understand that can we. We're gonna have to go back to that sentence, <laughs> and like, the fact that my my brain just didn't allow that sentence to process would go on. <laughs> and you know, then
0: I. I throw on the minimum of clothing and go in the office, you know, Mm. and that, and sometimes, some days I get a lot of work done. Some days I really don't. And I've found particularly in the winter months, uh, when it's just disgusting outside and I do not like the cold, that means that I may not leave the apartment for a week. Yeah. That's not healthy. And I know I'm not the only person in the world who, who does that. So winter can be a very, very, bad dark time yeah yeah um and and maybe not very productive this winter was not for me um i'm so happy that it's warming up now because it, part of my whole like not just physical health um because i gotta lose a little spare tire here um but mental health on that too
1: oh, aren't we all <sighs> getting older i ran two miles today hey that's nice did you know that intercostal muscles are a thing
0: uh yeah i've i've had those be a little achy before I didn't know they were a thing today until today, but they hurt now. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it means they're, you did a good they're job. They're painful. It means you did a good job. Oh, great. Um, thanks mom. I, I make a point of, <laughs> of get like when the weather is like nice enough, mm-hmm. getting out and like walking for at least an hour, just so I can see sunshine Yeah. and get fresh air. And not, it's not just me and the cats until my husband gets home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, because it's, it can be toxic. The you know the what what we do to ourselves sitting in front of the computer all day. I know like all these uh, um, there are a bunch of people out there who talk about like health for artists uh, and particularly I, I follow a bunch of stuff for writers and, yeah, and they say yeah. you should get up once an hour and and walk around. I'm like <laughs> that's that's pie in the sky right there. <laughs> that's cute. I was that's like, yeah, m- maybe just to go to the bathroom, um, but beyond yeah beyond that like I I have to force myself to get the fuck out of my apartment yeah. so that I, I'm, I'm not just wallowing in whatever craziness <laughs> is in my head. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you're, I mean, we, it's all, it's already an echo chamber up here, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, um, you know, no matter who you are, whatever you've got running in, in your head, it's running in circles and it, it's just and bouncing all over the place. And, and it's only being magnified by uh, just, just, by not coming out yeah, and by getting out and putting myself in, in the context of the larger world and, and seeing crazy people on the street and, you know, people fighting like, Oh, it's, it's not just me. Good. I feel better about myself. Or I just, (laughs) I saw sunshine today. That was nice. (laughs) And it, 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 being in England I've come to value sunshine
1: much more than I used to, even in Syracuse. Um, yeah, wait, yeah. I mean, my solution to that was because I worked freelance last year was coffee shops. Mm. Yeah, because um, I am addicted to the magical caffeinated liquid mm-hmm. that is coffee. Um, but even then, like it's, and this is the other thing to go back to: we're doing this to ourselves. You are telling me this story as someone who lives in New York City,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is uh, ostensibly the greatest city in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a magical place where you can do almost anything you want Mm -hmm. at any time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I had similar experiences when I was living in Syracuse. Uh, I worked freelance last year and I was living in Syracuse and I didn't really know that many people Mm -hmm. um, because most of my friends had all graduated. And so, you know, there were a lot of times when I was really alone, Mm -hmm. um, especially during the day because the few people I did know had real jobs (laughs) that they went to. (laughs) And I would just be, you know, bumming around and answering emails occasionally and, you know, watching World War II documentaries on Mm -hmm. Netflix, because I think the ending's going to change at some point. I just want to get to the end of each one. (laughs) Uh, No spoilers. But, yeah, the fact that we have similar stories in wildly different locations and have had, or at least for me because I've moved around so much in the last few years, have a version of this story in any location mm-hmm. yeah it's not what you're doing or where you're doing it mm-hmm. it's you and it's me, mm-hmm. and it's all of us mm-hmm. and it's it's something else that needs to be looked at, yeah and i yeah, and the other thing that i 've been wondering about is it pervasive. Do we feel these feelings because we're creative people? Are we creative people because we feel these feelings? You know, is it a chicken? Is it an egg? Mm-hmm. Like, what What has gotten us here? Because it is... You know, is it something about, like, our age group? You know, because there are... You know, the suicide rate is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistically, in the United States right now. Uh, the other ways that this, in a more... You know, the darker side of the spectrum manifests itself is... You know, drug abuse, heroin use is on the rise Mm -hmm. in the States right now. Um, you know, these are all things, there's something going on. Yeah. And I think we, as sort of intelligent, creative people come up with all sorts of self-defense mechanisms to protect ourselves, Mm -hmm. oftentimes from ourselves, Mm -hmm. but there's a larger thing happening that we are both a part of and contributing to. Mm Mm-hmm. And we should be honest about that. Yeah,
0: I don't. I'm not sure that this is in any way a new thing. I think it's always been. Um, I'm even. I'm even reluctant to say that it's a. Um, it's an artistic thing. I think mm-hmm. we, we may be a little bit more susceptible to it because yeah. our our lives are so much more um, bizarre compared to the you know what what, what we grow up. No, thinking that our lives you know what what you know most people grow up to to think that i'm going to get a day job i'm going to get a job and i'm going to have jobs and we yeah. we kind of actively fight that uh yeah you know growing up i um i i i i thought i was going to be a cpa for a long time uh glad i didn't go that route um, Is that an
1: accountant thing
0: what's that what's a cpa A uh, certified public accountant, accountant. Uh,
1: yeah. i said accountant yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. i was right yeah. um yeah and uh, I don't live in a world where I need an account. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't earn enough money for one of those. <laughs> That's
0: Oh enjoy Side. it while you can. All right, um, <laughs> but Aww. but I think I think we're, we we do. I don't I don't think it's a specifically artistic thing, but I think that we're more susceptible to it being mm-hmm. being outside no, of that. what we we view to be the norm. Uh, and I think it. I think it. it ha- it's a, it's a longstanding, not new idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, look back at, at, you know, the, the artists that we adore, uh, through, through the centuries. And there's a lot of, I mean, we learn about it in, you know, in, in school, like how depressed some of these people were and how, right. um, how, you know, nutty they could be. And, um, you know, looking back at the, the correspondence or the, you know, the diaries of famous artists that, we know we know that they dealt with a lot of this as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The question, I think, to build off of that becomes, do we conflate the idea of being an artist with the idea of, you know, whether it's mental illness or, you know, all of these insecurities that we're feeling? Mm-hmm. Because we're all told the stories of... You know, Schubert was batshit crazy yeah. and wrote a bunch of really beautiful songs, but also, like, you know, whatever. Or Berlioz wrote this symphony about how he kind of just wanted to get with this girl and couldn't. Yeah. Like, and then chopped off her head in the end of it. and <laughs> The tuba has to play it. Like, you know, we're sold. And, you know, most of it does come from the romantic notion, capital R romantic yes. notion, of what an artist is supposed to be. Mm-hmm,
0: which I, I loathe. I hate that romantic notion of the artists. So I think it, I think it, in many ways it's it's toxic because it does kind of rom, you know, romanticize uh, the uh, the the notion of you know artist as troubled soul.
1: Yeah, well, it romanticizes mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it's Eliza Minnelli quote: uh, "I suffered for my art, and now you will too." Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, it's right. Uh, uh, I just quoted Liza Minnelli that's right <laughs> kids um there's a there's a um
0: there's a book I forget what it's called it's by uh, jackie battenfield and it's um, is it i'd rather be working uh, I, I, it, she's a she's a visual artist anyway mm-hmm. and she uh she's taught a lot. And one of the exercises she does with her students every semester is she puts up on the the blackboard or the whiteboard or, you know, whatever she's got to work with, uh, an artist is. The e-board now. Yeah, yeah. The e-boards now. If if her school can afford it, who knows. Uh, (laughs) Underlines, an artist is, and then has the students just call out the first things that come to mind. And it's always crazy, free-spirited, dark, tortured, Mm -hmm. poor, starving, and... (laughs) You know, the, like, the it's almost all negative things, you know. Like, free mm-hmm. spirit isn't negative, but, you know, and creative is good. Bad at math is one that, that consists, you know, it's like, come on. Milton Babbitt would like to have a week. Yeah, I
1: know. I know a few <laughs> artists who would like to disagree with that. Uh, uh, I'm but, not one of them. I just barely passed pre <laughs> <so. laughs> mostly cuz i spent most of it staring at the football field out the window <laughs> the teacher always threatened to close the blinds on me that's a real story nice uh, that i don't think my mom knew so hopefully she's not listening <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, It's too late to do anything about it now <laughs> yeah, um, that's why i got to see in that class mom mm-hmm. uh.
0: but uh, <laughs> yeah, these I mean, yeah, these are artists you know young yeah. budding artists and these are that's what they think that it is to be an artist is to be tortured poor starving mm-hmm. uh, you know bad 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 bad
1: crazy right Are these, and again, I can only ask questions because I don't have answers, but are these expectations filtering down and affecting us? I I think the answer is yes. I
0: think so, too. Yeah, I I think the answer is, on some level, we all deal with it. Um, Mm -hmm. We we all may try to push back against it. Like, I really try to push back against that romantic notion. But, you know, every time... God, every time I talk to a new person who who doesn't know anything about music, and I say, "Oh, I'm a composer," and then I have to explain what that is.
1: Uh, right. You know, could you explain and, it to me after the podcast? <laughs> so I know? It'd be good. I just want to get a better idea.
0: <laughs> like they're like, "Oh, so you're," and they just immediately have this this idea of what sort of a person I must be, and then, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's the you know, oh, you're you're a starving artist, you oh, know, you're you know, all these things. Like, no, I mean. I'm not starving. Um, <laughs> I may be poor, but I'm not starving. actually
1: due to the way food is structured in America. The poorer you are, the fatter you're more likely to be because of food deserts and McDonald's. So a whole, again, a whole other, Michael Pollan taught me a lot, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, no, it's, I think it's important that we just have that conversation.
0: Yeah. It's something that I, I think... can talk about for hours and hours and
1: hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and I know, we have to stop that mm-hmm. for our own sake. Yeah. For my own, I have to stop that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Yeah, it. Like I can't. I just. I don't want to. I don't have it in me to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like that's. I'm done. With that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. And I'm trying to figure out. How to make that a permanent realization. Cause that's the challenge, because we all we all have these moments of lucidity. Yeah. And these moments of clarity. And the question becomes, how do you sustain that moment of clarity? And how do you how do you how do you move forward in a healthier way? Because I don't think creating art needs to be that damaging. <laughs> I know. Yeah, or if it is, the surgeon general has to get on top of that shit. Yeah, yeah. Get, get so put a put a pack of you know the skull and crossbones on my diploma, and <laughs> a picture of a lung, yeah. May um, cause self all self up. <laughs> what would <with> the <laughs> just like a person sitting alone in a coffee, like a little image of like a little stick figure just like yeah. drinking a cup of coffee and sort of being confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think. I don't, I don't think we've come to many answers yet, but
0: yeah, I, 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 well, I think a lot of answers are are come, come down to the individual person. I mean, I know for, for me, um, you know, being in a healthier mental state frequently involves getting out of the house for a little bit, taking walks, Mm -hmm. uh, moving around, making sure that I'm physically healthy. You know, I I know that part of my own shit right now is this is the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I grew up as a as like a a little stick of a person and I don't like having this extra weight. And it it, it weighs on on me. And I know that it Mm -hmm. personally that carries over into the artistic side. Yeah. And because we're not just a musician. You know, we are the Mm -hmm. whole person. And I think sometimes we don't feed the whole person.
1: That's, I mean, that's a huge piece
0: of the puzzle right there. And, and yeah, like the, the, the the work-life balance, uh, can, can be, you know, if, if, if we're, if you're just sitting at your desk all day, or at the piano, or wherever you work, if you're just there all day, only doing that, which if if yeah. you can manage that, congratulations. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I need to shackle myself <laughs> to the piano some days, yeah. uh, most days, and you know I, you know after you know we started to talk about this via email and and Facebook Messenger, I started to think a little bit about like what what is it that I can do for me. To make myself mm-hmm. a, a healthier person, and that does involve like going for a nice walk. Uh, you know, I, I walked yesterday to uh, for Freedom's Park on Roosevelt Island from
1: the, you know, the middle oh, of Astoria. Nice, Where nice two are you? and a half. Hour Was that you're in Astoria? Yeah, yeah, it's a right. great little neighborhood. There, yeah. I love it. Um, I know. I used to live on 29th Ninth and Astoria Boulevard. Oh, nice. I am. I am not terribly far away from there. Um, yeah. Right near Thirty and Thirty, the cross streets were. Oh yeah. yeah all yeah. the good. The Burger Club, which has "burger" spelled backwards. Yeah, or, I, or, I I, I hate never that understood. Place. I never liked that place. It's good if you're hungover, which is frequent for me. <laughs> <laughs> they put a egg over easy on top of apple smoked with bacon on top of cheese mm-hmm. on top of a burger. Nice. If that'll cure what ails you, yeah. yeah that um, um, no, the notion of feeding the whole person that burger, but also, yeah, like a, know, get, getting, getting to the gym,
0: you know, like yeah, most days a week, not every day, <laughs> getting out, see, you know, seeing friends, you know, like mm-hmm. over the winter, I didn't see a lot of people because nobody wanted to, you know, go in the cold. Like that's feeding yeah. the whole person. And fortunately, a lot of these people are, are also artists. So, you know, we get to talk about, you know, what we're making, what we're this not stuff, making. Yeah. We can, ha- we can sort of have these conversations and, You know, we can also just bullshit, you know, like we do. Um, and yeah, I think that, that helps to feed the whole person. Um, well, another, one thing that I've sort of pledged for this summer, I just got, there's that, uh, New York city ID that they have. I'm like, I've lived in this city for damn near 12 years now. And I have not been, I have never been to the Guggenheim. I've only been to MoMA like once or twice with this ID. Like I get all of these fantastic, um, like free memberships to these museums for a year. I'm like once a week yeah. I'm going to spend like at least an afternoon in these places to get the hell out of my apartment <laughs> to to see random people, you know, like be around humanity. To be in the world. Be yeah. in the world and 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 try to to feed the 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 whole me rather than than just, you know, listening to to things to, for research, and then right. trying to write. And My juggle next all project the, is yeah, juggle all the projects, and then yeah, uh, yeah. you know, then every night uh, make dinner or order in dinner, and then like seven o'clock onward is Netflix and vodka.
1: <laughs> Not as catchy a slogan as that. No, no, unless you're Jane Fonda and Frank Grace and Frankie, mm-hmm. which is again really quite good. She drinks a lot of martinis. Yeah, we like um, we like it. Um, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Have you gotten to the end yet? Not quite. All right, it's good. I binge watched that over the weekend because, oh. you know, leaving the house is hard. Yeah, we, um, we binge watched uh, Kimmy Schmidt. That's amazing. I've never gotten into it, and I don't know why. Like, I love Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. I love the actress when she was on The Office. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the best part of those later seasons of The Office. Um,
0: T- Titus Burgess. Whatever. Holy crap.
1: Yeah, he was amazing. funny on Dirty Rock. Yeah. Um, he carries you know, the show. The, what What was the other one who was on 30 Rock? Uh, yeah. Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski, yeah. yeah. Um, right, like, I love all those people. I just never watched Kimmy Schmidt. I don't um, know why. You should, you should.
0: Um, but no, I think... Netflix, can I have some money for plucking your shows, please?
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> we could just... What was that? BoJack, Grace and Frankie, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Um, well, also, the Netflix shows are rights-free, so they all are over here in England. Oh, nice. Whereas... Like a lot of the American shows, you can't watch over here. Uh, I remember How I Met Your Mother was gone for a while, and that's kind of like my go to veg out show. Uh, and when I got over here, there was no How I Met Your Mother, and I was like, but what am I going to veg out to? <laughs> and it was that 70s show. Because um, I love me some Eric Foreman and Donna Pinciotti. But <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that digression aside, the other thing that's important to remember, and I think, again, I can only speak to my experience but like you are loved mm-hmm. and you are loved even if your next piece comes out like shit mm-hmm. or if you've never write music again yeah or if you start writing one four or five chords over and over mm-hmm like, it doesn't matter yeah. to the people who care about you and there are more of them than you realize. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what we forget when we spiral into our self-pitying, self-loathing mm-hmm. worlds that we all get into. And it's mm-hmm. important to remember that and Yeah, to hang on to that.
0: Yeah. I, I do find when, when I have a setback... Which feels like, you know, once a week, there's something, you know, at least once a week, you know, things are going good. And then, ah, shit, some, you know, something, some rejection letter (laughs) or some, you know, weird thing on Facebook. Get rejected once a week. it it doesn't even have to be musical. It can be just like, oh yeah, I kind of fucked up over here and now I have to deal with the fallout from that. Like that can, just those little setbacks can, can sort of spiral you into a dark place. Right. And Put, you know, putting it in the context of, like, okay, yeah, that's this week. Um,
1: you know, <laughs> like,
0: all right, that's this week. Maybe this week well, sucks. Some of but... that's also
1: not being in an office, because when you have those setbacks in an office, there's a little bit of a gang mentality to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so sort they of like, well, we fucked that up, yeah. but, like... We're going out to drinks on Friday, so we're good. We got it. Mm-hmm. Like, next week will be better. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you you know, there's just a camaraderie that I do think you miss when you're a freelancer. Absolutely. Whether you're freelancing as an artist or as, as you know, yeah, anything else. whatever, you know, beyond our fields. Um, the thing that always strikes me as funny, at least about myself, is that <laughs> it's actually like once the setback is big enough, then I'm kind of happy again because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, ah, yeah, <laughs> like the biggest. The sort of fuck up that my life went through was a year ago. Uh, I had, I'd quit boozy and Hawks mm-hmm. with the intention of going to grad school. Mm-hmm. I had accepted an offer to go to the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland mm-hmm. to do a one year masters. Uh, and then I ended up getting this fun summer gig at a summer camp, uh, where I still work and I love it and it's amazing and, I discovered summer camp at 26 years old and have not looked back since. But, uh, you know, I got to the summer camp. I was running this education program. I was having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. I was having so much fun teaching, making music with the kids. You know, I run this recording studio where we write songs. And along comes this offer from uh, World Teach, which is an organization that places teachers around the world, um, to start a music education program in Guyana, mm. in South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, it was just one of those moments like, when does that happen? They reached out to me. They normally don't reach out to people. I had had a resume on file from a long time ago that had the word music in it somewhere, and so they they, <laughs> they, they emailed me. Uh, and it was just kind of too amazing of an offer to turn down.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the, the idea of spending a year in Guyana working. Someone had donated a bunch of instruments to these schools and they didn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And they wanted someone to come in. And they were like, we have this stuff. Go make, make an orchestra. <laughs> uh, you know? And so after some hemming and hawing and a couple of interviews, I decided to go to South America, mm-hmm. tried to defer my placement at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. Uh, they said, we're sorry we don't do that. <laughs> Uh, you're hap- We're more than happy to have you apply again next year. We won't hold it against you. Mm-hmm. You got in once you'll likely get in again, but obviously we can't guarantee that. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and so I walked away from that, mm-hmm. which is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, yeah. decided to go to South America, you know, made a big deal about it on social media, fundraised money to help pay for stuff and blah, 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 the, paper you know the Syracuse paper wrote an article about me nice uh yeah well not when I get to the end of the story and you know right and here's so like I'm doing this grand thing and here's Mm -hmm. this big thing I've decided to do and like this huge life change and I've just taken all these risks and you know what the fuck am I going to do now (laughs) and I get on the plane and I fly to Georgetown Guyana and I show up and literally within 24 hours of me being there, I have a medical emergency. Uh, that, uh-oh, did you go away? Oh. Oh, there you are. Okay, you there, there we go. Yeah, you froze for a um, second. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, so I was saying, literally uh, within 24 hours of landing uh, in Georgetown, Guyana, I have a medical emergency. Uh, uh, and I spend... A couple of days pretending I didn't, uh, and then a couple of days figuring out what the fuck to do. And then six days after I flew to Georgetown, Guyana, I got on another flight from Georgetown back to New York City uh, and ended up home and ended up, uh, after a couple of days of hiding out with some friends in New York, going back to my parents' house... Where I promptly had surgery and ended up on their couch for two months. Oh, God. Um, yeah, you don't get much bigger of a life fuck up, what the fuckness than that. <laughs> uh, but when those kinds of like large scale fuck ups happen, obviously it wasn't a fuck up. You can't control a medical emergency and life goes on. Mm-hmm. But. It ended up being the most fun year I ever had, because <laughs> first it was the first year ever where like my professional career was just like well, that went down mm-hmm. uh, and I had like moments of no longer focusing on my professional career, and like I kind of just had fun for the first time as an adult in the world, and you know without worrying about all that kind of stuff, and your brain goes, it's funny you you get frustrated because you forgot to send that email and you spiral into self-hatred. Um, you fly mm-hmm. to South America and back in six days. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, <laughs> there's a fair amount of self-hatred for a little while. But, you know, after you get over that initial hump, it be, it's freeing in a way. Yeah. And it just becomes how do you sustain that freeing energy and that, that sort of... Well, all of this went down the tubes, so <laughs> let's try something else now. Uh, there's a freedom inherent in that and kind of a a delight inherent in that. Um, how do we capture that without flying to South America and blowing up a year's worth of plans? Because <laughs> um, there's got to be a better way than that, right? Yeah, uh, one seriously. would think. Seriously. I, mean, I don't know. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's a funny story. It's a fun, long story. I'd like to go back to Guyana someday. That's like on the career. I'd like to make right. Make good on that promise I made to nobody but myself two years ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's all I got, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think, well, we've just hit, we're, we're coming up on the hour and a half mark, so I think that's probably a good... Good time to, to oh, is that how long the podcast is? Uh, it's typically an hour. I mean, but right, because you're, cool, you're guest- you can
1: edit me to not sound like an idiot. Oh no no, it, it's all going in there, man. Um, all right, I, my, my, I, that I'm part sure. where I creepily knew Dale Trumbore's birth year. <laughs> if you can take that out, because I, I felt weird about saying that. <laughs> Didn't stalk her. I just noticed it once, yeah, oh. and it freaked me out because she has coral pieces published, <laughs> and I'm not a good human being. Um, None of us is. None of we're all terrible. Yeah, it's true. Um, all right, man, that got real. Yeah,
0: but <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did this. Um, and I am too. Definitely have to have uh, you was... on a, a, again. Uh, oh, thank you. It'd be, be great to have you to be a regular. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, before we we sign off here, um, I always like to sort of end always being three times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just make it sound like it's been going forever.: um, it's, it's true. Uh, just like how, where, where do we find you? Where, where would you? Oh uh, on, on, on the Internet and, and such such places? Uh,
1: under the covers crying. we've just covered that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, so my name is Chris. You can find me at uh, Chrisreswellmusic.com is my website. C H uh, R I S C R E S S W E L L music.com. All of this will be available in the program notes for the show if you click to get info on iTunes. It certainly will. Um, because I just said it was. In
0: kind of <laughs> I've, been, I've been taking uh, notes on oop, things to go in the,
1: in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's my website. Uh, my Twitter is Griswold Music because Griswold was the name my childhood friends gave me when I was like nine years old, because they couldn't pronounce Cresswell. And it became Griswold. Nice. Um, if you want to find me right now, I'm in England. I'm always down for a pint or two. Mm-hmm. Um, or a two-mile run in which I walk for about a third of it. But it's okay, <laughs> I'm getting better. Because um, it's not about being the best, it's about practicing. Exactly. Uh, uh, it was what they told me at yoga the other day. And thank God they said that because I was not the best at <laughs> yoga. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a yoga position where you're just on the ground shaking because <laughs> all of your muscles hurt. <laughs> it's not an actual position. Uh, yeah. So you can find me at com, Griswold Music on Twitter, Griswold Music on SoundCloud, but you can find all that stuff on my uh, website anyway. I don't have a Facebook page. Um, I mean, I have my personal page. You can add me as a friend. I post interesting articles. I think I posted a lot about Trump for a while. They made fun of me here at school because <laughs> like the English didn't, I didn't really realize like, just like how out of context that must be for my brand new friends in England. Oh God. <laughs> like, why is this new guy from America always ranting about Donald Trump? Like, oh
0: <laughs> Oh, we get it now. Okay.
1: All right. yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I have vowed that I will not do anything political on social media until after the general election. That has just been my vow. I'm so sick of reading everything that I'm, like, (laughs) not going to do it myself.
1: I did a couple of pro-Hillary things just because of the whole Bernie bro stuff. (laughs) For a while there, I was posting, like, every... When I didn't think Trump was real, I was posting a lot of anti-Trump things. Now that he's real, I'm afraid he'll find me and kill me later, so... (laughs) I'm going to play it cool with him. Uh, The interesting thing about social media that I've found is if you post something snarky or bitchy, you get a ton of likes. I also... Which I definitely partake in because I love snark as much as everybody else. (laughs) Um, But I also have a tendency to post links to like deep, thoughtful articles, usually from On Being with Krista Tippett, which... Shout out to that podcast. Mm -hmm. Stop listening to this one and go listen to that one. (laughs) And then come back to this one. Although we're at the end now. Um, You know, because I just think it's, you know, she has these, um, it's an amazingly insightful podcast where she interviews artists, scientists, entrepreneurs, religious leaders about the prospect of being human. So it's on the, you know, the title on being human, Mm. Um, on being. And those inevitably get like one like. Whereas if you post something that's like, Donald Trump sucks, you get like 45 <laughs> likes. Yeah. And it's not nearly as creative. And I mean, that's a whole other thing. I know we're supposed to be <laughs> wrapping up, but I have thoughts and I'm going to share them. And that's like, we're all just kind of bitchy and we need to tone it down. And it's this social media culture that I partake in. So I'm not claiming to be holier than thou. Um, but like, let's just stop being snarky assholes and like work together as a community to solve problems. Mm. That's my new mantra. I like it. <laughs> um, on that note, yeah, I'm out of things to say now.
0: Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> I've run out. Then, 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 then I'll stop broadcasting <laughs> in a second.
1: All right, cool. We can stop boring like everybody with our I bullshit. forgot we were live. I don't know if anybody was
0: watching. Uh, hi, <laughs> we've, uh, we've had between three and five viewers most of the, most of the time, according to this. I have that.
1: between three and five relatives, so that's pretty hey, cool. Hey, sweet. Um, uh, it was almost always them. Awesome. Uh, tweet at me if you're watching still. Is anybody watching still?
0: <laughs> yeah, a couple of you are still. Uh, four right now. Ah, oh, <laughs> tweet at me. at Fourth well person music. who just logged on just as I'm gonna like stop broadcasting.
1: <laughs> oh, hi fourth person. Hi, fourth uh, person. Say hello on oh, the Twitter the fourth machine. Fourth
0: person left. Um. Oh, that's because they heard you. <laughs> yeah, they're like ah. it was sad. <laughs> you're talking to me. Um. Ah. <laughs> Well, Who are
1: these weird people talking?
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, man, this cool. has been great. Yeah, um, uh, hang out for a second. I'll, I'll stop the broadcast, and then we can all right, cool. ch- ch- chat for a second. So thank you all for watching. Uh, this has been the Music Publishing Podcast. You can find links to Chris's website, Dale Trumbore's articles on New Music Box, Nico Muley's essay, Thoughts on Being Well, and Jackie Battenfield's The Artist's Guide at musicpublishingpodcast.com slash mpp3. And join me next week as I talk with entertainment lawyer Mark Ostro to clear up some misconceptions about copyright and fair use. This has been the Music Publishing Podcast. Thanks for listening.